major breakthrough heading to America. Twitter, the iPhone. Researchers at MIT are hailing a breakthrough in the field of artificial intelligence. Just how crucial is diversity to the tech world's future? Welcome to TechLash. I'm Theo Miller. I'm here with my co-host, Zibi Nawaka. Zibi, who are we talking to today? Today, we're speaking with Lisa Maroney, who's the CEO and co-founder of Revel, which is an online community for women over the age of 50. It also has a hybrid component, which is a meetup. So it's not just online. Now in this episode, we're going to explore elements of design or how do you design this for this specific group of women over 50? And how does this group interact with the application? And you're a retired designer, Thea. So let me ask you, why is this important for some 20 something designer in San Francisco to, to listen to? Well, you're right. I'm a lapsed designer for sure. The reason it's important for a designer who's not over 50 and who doesn't happen to be female is that they're expanding the language of design in a way that's valuable for all of us. Because if you think about it, a lot of the design these days is Twitter, Facebook, Mm -hmm. dudes who founded those companies were in their mid-20s. And the language of those platforms is very aggressive and very... ROI and not necessarily as sophisticated as it could be. So I like to think of a platform like Revel as an opportunity to expand the language of design on the web. And so I'm very excited to get to this episode. But first, a word from our sponsor. Diversity has always been an issue in tech, and now it has been compounded with a worldwide pandemic that disproportionately impacts underrepresented groups. This needs to change. FlockJ is a tech sales training academy that helps job seekers from non-traditional backgrounds break into tech. Through 300 plus hours of live instruction, real sales practice, and one-on-one coaching, students master the art and science of tech sales. Top tech companies like Zoom, Gusto, and Airtable partner with FlockJ to hire diverse, elite SDRs that ramp faster and outperform ordinary reps. Visit FlockJ.com to learn more. That's F-L-O-C-K-J-A-Y dot com. We live in a pretty ageist society where we tend to view those who are beyond their career years and their childbearing years as less relevant, as if they have less to share. And the whole premise of Rebel is, no, like you have a lot that's worthy of sharing and here's your platform to do it. When I've traveled to other countries, I've always been shocked by how much old people are just out in the streets relative to the United States. There's something about cloistering our elderly away in homes that feels inhumane and also denies a natural harmony of existence. Also, I think this pandemic lifted the hood and the underbelly of American society. And we're seeing a lot of that play out. And what has been talked about in, in some publications, but probably not covered enough, is this highlight on nursing homes and mm. how the pandemic has severely affected our parents and brothers and sisters and family members who have been placed in nursing homes. There are some nursing homes where 
I think 60% of the population got severe COVID and that was in one nursing home in New Jersey. And so this pandemic really highlighted this, but I think that's also speaks to this society where folks who are older are this forgotten class of individuals in American society and and other societies, it's much different. Yeah. And as we're going to hear from Lisa, it's much more acute for women. And to be clear with Revel, it's women who are 50 plus. A lot of their users are not quite in the retirement home stage of their life, but the same principle applies. The moment you have gray hair in America, you're treated differently. You're treated as though you don't exist, which I think can be very difficult for women because our culture celebrates youth and celebrates beauty. And then it's just a huge smack in the face the moment they turn 50. As we women age, we tend to get more and more invisible. I'm in my mid-30s. I can see the start of that happening now. But for women in midlife who are transitioning from raising kids, having a career into their next chapter, I think that can be felt so much more acutely. We want to be a place where women are celebrated no matter their age. And that is a pretty revolutionary thing. I know from the women in my life that they are perpetually confronted with obstacles, not only that men don't have to face, but obstacles that are unfair based on how old they are and how they look and things that don't even enter our consciousness. Yeah, I think about this in terms of my mother and seeing what she went through. And she was widowed in her early 50s. And it was a tough time for my mom and our family. But this conversation with Lisa is also helping me realize some of these other issues my mother was facing at a similar time. And I wonder if she had a community like Revel, that process that she had to go through of dealing with the loss of somebody close to her, would that have been easier? And then also the transition of her children going off to college. But this has really kind of opened my eyes, this conversation to what my mother was going through on multiple levels. It seems to be an eye-opener for a number of people, least of which the VCs in Silicon Valley. I'll tell you, when we were going through Y Combinator interviews, one of the questions we were asked after we described Rebel and what we're building was, will she know how to search for, discover, and pay for things online? And I felt so demoralized in that moment because our average Rebel member, she's 50 years old. She's only 18 years older than me. She's well younger than someone my mother's age group. She's very tech savvy. And yet that's the perception that so many people in Silicon Valley have of a woman in midlife. This reminds me of the Peter Thiel thing where he was saying no one has a good idea for a company or should be building a company past 30. Ageism in America is awful. And in Silicon Valley, the notion that, oh, just drop out of school and start a company and by mid-20s, you're in your sunset years of usefulness as a horse to back by investors is pretty appalling. It's pretty disgusting. And that crossed with a strong, palpable sexism is offensive to me, at least. Yeah, Lisa's description of that interview question 
feels like a scene out of Silicon Valley or something. <laughs> yeah. It almost would be comical if it wasn't so ridiculous. But I think she makes a great point here. It's like these folks are 50 years old. Of course, they know how to navigate technology. My mother is much older than 50 now, and she is very fluent with technology and she's a professor. And so I think that question is a perfect summarization of the bias in VC community. A hundred percent. And then there's the short-sighted business impact of that bias because there's a huge underserved market. The market is non-trivial. And then it's also the foundation to create a whole suite of services and you could partner with other brands and it just opens up all these opportunities that seem to be completely beyond the perspective of someone who's saying, oh, how are they going to log on? Like they should be able to figure out how to log on, but also any good investor should realize that's not a question that should stop them from making the investment. It's a problem to solve so that they could create a lucrative opportunity for themselves. When I think about places that are social spaces for her, which I would define Rebel that way. Really, there's certainly no technology companies that are doing that. And the spaces that exist for her in the world in that vein, I think that there are many. There are lots of women's groups. They tend to be very, very localized. They tend to be more in the civic sector or nonprofit sector, right? Things like the Junior League or the League of Women Voters, things like that. I'm definitely familiar with like the Commonwealth Club and the Rotary Club and these things that are not built to make a killer profit that serve these groups. It also reminds me of Lululemon, how Lululemon, I believe is in the late 90s, they started addressing this emerging yoga market and had the wild idea at the time that people would wear workout clothes to look good, not just to sweat in. And sure, there's the 1980s jazzercise, Jamie Lee Curtis in like a one piece doing the Jane Fonda or whatever. But then there's like a long period of people just wearing like whatever raggedy t-shirt they have. But then saying, oh, you know what? There's a huge opportunity to create a lifestyle that has been neglected. And I think of Revel as the foundational piece for something like that. I think that there's a huge market of women 50 plus who could be served. And I think Revel is the platform to get there. Yeah, I, I think it is a massive market. If you look at that age range, 50 to 75. And while I don't want to get into the generational classifications, it seems like this will definitely target Gen X, who's already in the Revel age range and maybe some of the later folks who are in that boomer generation. But the market is fairly massive. I know in Gen X, it's 65 million thereabouts. So if you're talking to a venture capitalist about this, they're always going to ask you, what's the TAM, total addressable market? And this seems like a really massive market. So it makes a lot of sense. Yeah, even 50% of that market is still gigantic. Exactly. That's not all women in that number. But still, if you do the math, it's still a massive market. It's also cool to think that because it's an online platform, the way that platform is going to be designed is going to be different. Because it's the whole FUBU principle, the notion that it's all 
young white men building for other young white men. And so the language that they speak through design is very limited and it's stereotypically aggressive and it's stereotypically flashy. A mature aesthetic doesn't need to assert itself with that same level of aggression. You start to wonder what that could feel like, what that could look like, and then also how that could spread to other parts of the web and affect the overall design language that we experience every day. Most of the users of Silicon Valley products to date have been younger and have skewed male. And so someone who's a user experience researcher is going to bring those biases to their work. And when we try to hire for user experience research at Rubble or think about that, we're trying to think about it blank slate because our user is totally different. And we want to make sure that we're building technology that makes her life easier. And she's tech savvy. She just simply by virtue of her age, didn't grow up with technology as early as we did. And so her use of it is different. And that's something that we should design for and take into account. So let's use music as a metaphor. So if you think of Twitter, it's like this crazy breakbeat that has 160 BPM, right? And it's just going and it's so much and it's so overwhelming. No matter what your age is, it's hitting you over the head incredibly hard all of the time. And to have something to juxtapose that, to cut against that, and then serve as an influence for all the websites that are modeling themselves after the Twitters of the world is such an attractive value proposition to me that I really hope Revel succeeds and influences the way that we experience the web today. Yeah, I think the Twitter example is a good one. Now, I do want to say I've read things and learned things and discovered people that I never would have not being on Twitter. It has opened my eyes to many new thinkers and folks in this space. That said, you have to sift through a lot of nastiness crosstalk yeah there's this kind of meetup component with revel too so it's not just strictly this kind of online behind the screen community it's almost like these online community meets a meetup type app and that's pretty unique but to get to the point that they're going to meet up in person they have to get the user to engage in the experience in a way that makes sense to them and lisa speaks very eloquently about the challenges of doing that So we have profiles on Revel, like most social platforms. Most social platforms have you fill out your profile right when you join. And if you're joining on LinkedIn, for example, you're coming to LinkedIn already knowing that the whole point of LinkedIn is to share your professional information with the world, right? And so you're primed to share all that info. When you're coming to Revel, you're not primed in the same way. And in fact, you might be feeling a little insecure about why you're here (laughs) and unsure of whether this will be a community that's really welcoming of you. Anyways, there might be some psychographic stuff that's making you doubt yourself or doubt the community. It doesn't change us wanting to have more adoption of our profiles, right? From a business perspective, we want to insert that as soon after she joins as possible because we want as many people filling out her profile as possible. But the fact that we know that she might be in this mindset changes how we frame the question. And it changes the nudges that we build into the ask to make it easier for her. It's a little bit more like Hinge might design the profile build out so that we help nudge her to do it. So much of the national conversation is about the collection of data. And when we have those conversations, it's 
Cambridge Analytica and it's selling that data. Data is collected in large part to optimize a user experience that increases what's called DAUs, daily active users. So when entrepreneurs are pitching their apps to investors, a common metric that they cite is daily active users. So using data, they're able to optimize these workflows. And these workflows are engineered specifically to reduce drop-off. And the data that's collected creates that experience because she's optimizing for the engagement of a very specific demographic. But the traditional design patterns are not going to work with that demographic. And so the nuance that that requires is much more sophisticated. I love how Lisa's thinking about this in the UX. Some of these online community apps, and she mentioned LinkedIn, but Facebook's obviously a massive one. I always felt like, you need all of this information? Like, put it in your last five jobs and your last five addresses and what you had for dinner last night. (laughs) Right. And I'm just like, I don't want to give all this information. And it kind of nudges you in a more forceful way. So The tasks also, it's like, you're not paying for this, so we're going to beat you over the head with 13 notifications for things that are your responsibility now. Yeah. It's a really bad feeling. It is. It's stressful. It is very stressful. And to create this experience that's a little bit more approachable, what they've done is they've assembled a diverse team that is representative of the demographic that they're trying to address. Mind-blowing, I know. We, of course, believe that the fact that we're a women-led team, now nine employees total, eight of whom are women, a very intergenerational team. We span an age from mid-20s to mid-60s, which makes us the most intergenerational nine-person team in tech. Like We tend to believe that those are incredible sources of strength and advantage because it's allowing us to both see the opportunity, but make sure that we're building Rebel to actually meet her need rather than build for a stereotype of, I'm in my mid-30s as much as I can empathize with what a woman in her 50s feels. I do not know yet what it feels like. Using the classic tech stack metaphor that's always used in Silicon Valley, the users are at the top of the stack, and then underneath that is the product, and then underneath that is the company, and then underneath that are the investors, and then underneath that are the limited partners, the endowments. And right now, the consumer layer, the user layer, is having a hard time because the teams that are making the products are not diverse enough. And while we have to go deeper and deeper into the stack over time, changing the teams is actually the best place to focus our energy at this juncture. Because when you go into the investment community, there are more difficult dynamics at play. But on the product level, there are many talented designers and engineers that are from all sorts of backgrounds that can help create products that could remedy the problem that users are having right now in the world. Yeah, I think Lisa's highlight here, they're the most intergenerational nine-person team in tech is awesome. And I think she obviously gets it. I think it's table stakes to have folks at the table who can help you guide product decisions. As Lisa mentioned, while she can empathize, she isn't in that revel age range and she Mm -hmm. doesn't know yet what that feels like. But having someone at the company there who does when you're in those scrums and product testing and those morning meetings who can give live and active feedback is super helpful, I think critical. And not only does it make for a better workplace for them, it's also going to help them with the product build and design. 100%. The other piece on the startup layer is 
the business model. The business model, as we've talked about in other episodes, is so critical. And the ad model that's emerged over the years is not something that is going to lead to a product that's best for society. And so what Lisa emphasizes in this upcoming clip is critically important in how she's built Revel and how it's going to succeed. The reason that we want to charge a membership fee for her to join Revel is so that we don't have to do any of that stuff. We want to be solely in the business of helping her deepen her connections with other women her own age. Being able to showcase brands and products and services and partner with other companies that offer interesting experiences for her is icing on the cake. But that's not really why she's coming to Rebel. She's coming to Rebel to feel seen, form friendships, deepen connections with those women. We have to remember that some of these things, though exciting from a business perspective, can also be distracting. I think increasingly consumers, though, are appreciating that with subscription comes elevated experience. It's the difference between Netflix and just basic YouTube. Do you want a mall hall video or do you want Stranger Things? <laughs> yeah, I think that's a reasonable analogy there. Again, we love the subscription models versus getting pummeled with ads. Mm-hmm. And so it's good to see that Lisa's embracing that and it seems to be very fitting with the type of company she wants to build the brand Mm -hmm. she wants to build and also i like the highlight there saying hey look we will showcase brands and products and services with our partner companies too and it sounds like it's not going to be just this random deluge but they will partner with brands who want to reach out to this community in a thoughtful and sensible way it's understandable how we got here with the advertising models just based on the early internet and piracy and not understanding that you had to pay for something online. Online was looked at as the secondary market. But you're right, for a product like Revel, it's critically important that people pay money so they can get quality. And over time, that's what the web is going to become. It's going to be more and more subscription-based, less and less ad-based. And that's really going to create a stratification of two experiences. That's our show for today. If you enjoyed it, please give us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts and share it with your friends. Tell them what you loved about it. That would really help us out. If you have any questions or feedback, email us at mailbag at hitstartmedia.com. For Zibi Nawaka, I'm Theo Miller. Have a great week.